Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch. My name is Robert Cunningham and this podcast is the um, space for me to speak to cultural issues through the lens of the Christian faith. If you've been following along over the past couple episodes, then you know that I have been exploring, diving into our societal divide, which I don't think I have to convince anyone is fierce and ever-growing. Well, this week, I want to explore the one thing left in our society that has not fallen victim to that divide, arguably the one remaining tribe that has proven itself stronger than our political tribes. You see, a contributing factor to our division that I have not discussed up to this point is is how much the epidemic of loneliness plays into our polarization. Here's what I mean. We are relational beings, inescapably so. That's how God made us. Our souls crave connection as much as our bodies crave food. And so what this means is that isolation is as unsustainable as starvation. We are these ravenous, hungry people for connection. And so we will inevitably seek out community in some form or fashion because we simply have to have it. Okay, but what happens when traditional sources of communities such as religion, faith, friendship, neighborhoods, what happens when these more conventional sources of community collapse as they have in our society? Well, what we do is we go searching for new community. We go searching for another tribe. And for a variety of reasons, partisanship, that conservative liberal tribalism has stepped in to fill the void left by the collapse of conventional communities. Politics is no longer something we do. It is now something we need. We are gathering around political ideology in order to satisfy relational hunger. And so dominant have these partisan communities become that they now transcend the more traditional communities such as religion and faith. It used to be that the church or family relational commitment was much stronger than the political commitment, but now that's been flipped. We find more commonality with those who share our political views than we do those who share our religious views, and in many cases, even those who share our same last name. It's just all so sad and tragic. But the point I was making before I got off on that little tangent is that there still does remain one tribe stronger than our political tribes, one communal commitment that transcends partisan commitments, sports. Now, I know everyone, not everyone wants to hear me talk about sports, and I try to keep my sports obsession in check in my preaching and podcasts and whatnot, but fall is in the air, college football is back, and you're just going to have to indulge me in just one podcast. But seriously, follow with me in this, even if you're not a sports fan, follow me, because there is so much more going on to our cultural obsession with sports. Something remarkable is going to happen Saturday night at 7.30 in this commonwealth that I love. A stadium will be full, not with conservatives or liberals, but with one united 
Big Blue Nation. That's what we call ourselves here for those outsiders. Big Blue Nation, BBN. And of course, it's not just here in Kentucky. All across our nation this Saturday, and now Sundays with the return of the NFL, hallowed stadiums will be filled. We will gather, not to vilify one another, but to join one another in sacred traditions that span generations. We will chant and cheer, we will boo and curse, we will high-five and awkwardly hug each other, and for a few brief hours of partisan sobriety, we will forget just how much we hate each other. It's a remarkable thing, arguably the only unifying thing we have left. And what I want to do is dig deeper into its power so that perhaps we can learn from it. For my fellow sports-obsessed fans, have you ever wondered, have you ever asked why we care so much? If you're not a sports-obsessed fan, you definitely wonder. My wife watches me at the mercy of athletes, some still teenagers, teenagers, who have the ability to lead me into the heights of happiness or depths of despair. She watches that and thinks, I've lost my everlasting mind. It's just a game for crying out loud. But the point is that it's not just a game. There is so much more going on beneath the surface. Something fundamental to what it means to be human, dare I say, something religious. You may not see yourself as a religious person, but you are. In fact, to be human is to be religious. We all have religious longings of the soul that cannot be suppressed or dismissed, but instead must be expressed through some form of religious devotion. Simply put, we have an undeniable impulse to worship something. And for many, that something is a sports team. So what are these religious impulses? What are these worshipful longings that make us this way? Well, there are many, but like a good preacher, I'm going to give us three. Glory, community, and identity. What I want to do is show how sports taps into all three of these, but in the end, like every idol, leaves its worshiper wanting. All of us are made to behold and admire glory. It's why we hike mountains, attend concerts, and visit museums. And it's why Kentuckians make their pilgrimage to Rupp Arena or Commonwealth Stadium, these meccas of Kentucky athletic glory. But how glorious is this glory? My son was talking to me this week about how difficult college football is for him because he has to wait all week for another game. And I'm with him in that. Every college football fan knows what it's like to count down the days in the fall until we get to Saturday's glory. But suppose there was a game every day. Suppose every game was an important game against our biggest rival. Suppose we were given front row 50-yard line seats to those games. As glorious as that may seem, I don't think it would be long until we got bored with that glory. Sports are glorious. No doubt this is true. But sports are an exhaustible glory that will always leave us wanting for more, unsatisfied in the end. Okay, that's glory. Now let's consider community. Like I've already said, we were made for community. Now, 
how are communities formed? They are formed around a common love. There is a transcendent love that we all share in common, and it's this love that binds us together in fellowship. And in our state, the most popular love is UK sports, and without a doubt, this has produced the basis for an impressive community. Everywhere I go, one time all the way over in England, I meet a member of the BBN, of the Big Blue Nation, and immediately find commonality with them. But the question is, how deep is this community really? You know, both Coach Cal and Coach Stoops like to call the fan base a family. While I appreciate that sentiment, I'm not sure they fully mean it, at least not to the depths of what the word family deserves. If so, I, I look forward to a very large inheritance that is coming my way from both of them someday. Players say they love their fans, but again, I'm not sure they fully mean that. I've seen them out around town before, and shockingly, they didn't even seem to notice me, me, their family member, just totally indifferent. Now, of course, I'm kidding here. I know coaches and players are not disingenuous in their appreciation for the fans, and I know the BBN is an amazing community. But the point I'm making is, come on. I mean, at the end of the day, sports does not provide the depths of community that we all want and need. Okay, so glory community, last one, identity. What I mean by identity is that we all are made to identify with greatness, and sports offers us just that. This is why we all speak of our team with first-person pronouns. We say, we won. <laughs> Think about that. We won? You didn't do a thing except sit on the couch, drink beer, and yell at your TV. What's with the we language? But this is what we do. We identify ourselves with our team such that when they are great, it's as if we are great. The problem, however, is that we also have to identify with their failures. Consider Kentucky basketball, for example. Historically speaking, this is the greatest college basketball team to identify yourself with. You can argue with me on that, but you'd be wrong. Most wins of all time, highest winning percentage of all time, eight national championships, more SEC championships, and the rest of the league combined, and on and on our greatness goes. And yet, despite all this greatness, Kentucky has only ended a season with a victory eight times. Now think about that. Since the first season in 1903, Kentucky has left its fans defeated all but eight times. Truth be told, sports affords us moments of greatness, but more often than not, our identity fails us, as our two rivals, Louisville and Tennessee, are experiencing a lot these days. Sorry, had to. So, when you consider these deeper desires, like glory, community, and identity, it becomes clear that sports are an amazing hobby, but a terrible religion. It's certainly not sports' fault, by the way. It's our fault for worshiping sports. Sports are wonderful and worthy of love and enjoyment, just not our ultimate love and enjoyment. Which only begs the question of whether there is anything worthy of our ultimate worship. Is there anything that we can safely entrust these deepest longings of the soul and find them satisfied? I believe there is. Sports are like every good joy in life, intended by God as a foretaste of something much greater. And the greater is that same God. 
The Bible doesn't just claim that we were made by God. It claims we are made for God, meaning the creator of our souls is also the answer to our souls. Consider once again the three longings we have been discussing, glory, community, and identity. Well, in God, we discover an inexhaustible glory that for all eternity will never cease to excite and delight. In God, we discover a community so deep and intimate that we are brothers and sisters with God as a Father who knows us by name and gives us the riches of His eternal inheritance. And in God, we discover an identity that is eternally victorious through the death and resurrection of Jesus, our unfailing representative. Simply put, there isn't a desire you have that does not find its ultimate answer in God. Sports are one of the greatest joys in my life and the life of countless others. And yes, they are a powerful protest to the division of our society, perhaps the last remaining cultural practice that brings us together. And so we need them now more than ever. But as great as sports are, they were never meant to be our religion. So let's cheer for them, not worship them. Let's do what C.S. Lewis says we ought to do with every good gift given by the gift giver. Lewis tells us to trace the sunbeam back up to the sun, meaning allow your fandom to stir your religious longings and then direct them back up to the only one who can truly meet the demands of your longings, the God for whom we were made. Okay, thanks for listening. Enjoy your football on Saturday. Worship your God on Sunday. Go Cats, and we will see you back soon for another episode of Every Square Inch.